Hello, soft boys, soft girls, soft people. Welcome to the Soft Pod, a central space for sticky conversations. We are Grace and Izzy, and this is our first episode in our two-part series, which is called Girlies Behind the Grid. So our vision for this episode is to explore the gory details of working as an influencer in the social media space. This will not just be a surface level chat about Instagram and TikTok. We will be scrutinizing and extrapolating on topics like identity, where we place our value, how we present ourselves to the public and where we really draw a line between reality and our curated profiles online. So to do that, we have the incredible, gorgeous, talented, amazing Brooke Upton here with us to have a chat. She is an absolute fashion queen, amazing on Insta, but just incredible in every sphere of life, to be honest. Um, so, but we'll let we'll let Brooke describe what she does. But I'll hand over to you for a second. So we've got some wine and we're ready to get down and dirty into these questions. Uh, so Brooke, before we start, we would like to know three describing words to describe your week. To describe my week. Okay. This week has been creative. It has been organisational. And it has been um, predictive. 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 Oh, Virgo. <laughs> That's such a Virgo statement. I love it. I love Can it. Can you describe predictive, predictive. for us? Um, so I've done a lot of strategy work this week and I've kind of had a couple of meetings with my new agency, which has kind of looked into what the next kind of like four to six weeks is going to look like for me and mm-hmm. what my schedule's looking like. So predictive that was I was just expecting us to ramble more but this this girl's so organized We're We're ready to go. <laughs> so um, our first question is how do you feel about the term influencer so I was actually thinking about this one on the way here and I didn't know whether to put it as more of like a self-reflective thing or something that I could project to the way that I view the influence the word influencer from other people's perspective or from my own and I feel mm. like they kind of came together as one. So I spoke about this on my stories not too long ago that the word influencer for me was actually kind of rooted in a bit of shame almost. Like when people would ask me what I would do for work, I would actually shy away from responding with the most succinct answer. And I'd go on a rambling tangent about X, Y, Z, what I do to try and make it more consumable for their more traditionalist stereotypical lens. So personally for me, the word influencer for myself is a word that I feel safe and within my power within, but still in the conversations of other people, it's something that still, I suppose, I shy away from Mm. because I feel like there are so many stereotypes and stigmas that come with it. So I'm still trying to reclaim. I actually went to an event um, last year and a lady asked me what I do for work. And I did what I usually do. I bet around the bush. It was honestly a long-winded answer. And she was just like, I actually know what you do. You're an influencer. And she was just like, Mm. you avoided that word like the plague. (laughs) And I was like, I know I did. This um, gorgeous woman, she's kind of within the more traditional um, media sphere. And I definitely shied away from it. And she said, you need to reclaim that. You need to own it and not let the stigmas and stereotypes of what people perceive you to be to take away from that from you. And uh, from that point, I know. I was like, okay, amazing. And from that stage, it's the first thing I say now. Like I'm an influencer, I'm a content creator and I'm contracted by brands. Amazing. Actually, so do you think the term influencer encapsulates what you do well? Like the root of the word. Like if you, even if you don't even think about your work and that you're an influencer, if you think about the word influencer, do you think that encapsulates what you do well? 
I don't think so. I I don't think I, it does either, to be honest. Because you definitely influence. You, I influence, but the way I'd like to kind of more succinct, I'm, I feel like I'm a communicator. I mm. commun- communicate values and ideas and morals and tips and tricks and like my perception of the world and the ideas that I want to communicate to them. So I think I'm communicator would be more the word I choose for myself. Mm. I think as well in the workplace, influence is so specific. Yes. You know, when you hear the word influencer, you immediately think You've got an idea. But I feel like we need to reclaim the word creatives because that's so much a part of what influencers do. Mm. You have to be creative in order to to create all of that content. And that was another thing. Like I went to university and I studied um, media and communications and all growing up, I really wanted to be a creative person. I wasn't necessarily hugely mathematic. I wasn't hugely, um, you know, I was English based well and truly, but not necessarily like an incredible writer, but I felt like innately somewhere within me, there was a creative space, but I couldn't paint. I couldn't draw. So I like immediately went, I'm not a creative person. Um, And I feel like there's been such a shift in the way that we validate creators now in so many different like spheres whether that be you know photography graphic design sculpture like the whole the whole spectrum of creators has completely changed and I feel like through my degree I learned that you do not need to know how obviously you do not need to know how to paint and draw to be creative so Mm. Yeah, That's so true. Yeah. I feel like a lot of um, people who end up being quite influential are people who don't know initially what they want to do when they finish school. So they yeah. end up just being themselves online. Mm. And then their personality kind of takes over and it becomes something because of who they are, not necessarily because they left school and they were like, I want to be an influencer. And they went like, into the space for that reason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I When I went over to Sydney lo- long ago, I met with my agents and we were talking about that and um, they were talking about kind of the saturation within the world that I'm in at the moment. And they said there are so many people that are entering into the quote-unquote influencer space for the lifestyle mm. and aren't going into it with the the right reason behind mm. it, the, the communication side mm. of it, I suppose. So if people were, I suppose entering into it in more of like a I want to communicate my ideas and my perspectives more so I'm going into it to influence I wonder if there would be a different way people would attack that whole space Mm, yeah interesting that messaging and the communication and the content that drives that for you where does that come from Personally, that's that's an idea that's kind of always ever evolving for me and I think where I'm situated at the moment is that I want to foster a community of women and whoever identifies as that as well, to come together in a space that inspires creativity, authenticity and harnessing their own power and being able to take control of their lives and also obviously a, a hugely fashion-based space yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, I was gonna, uh, that was my next question, like the role of fashion within that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, random little aside from my thought processes recently, <laughs> but um, I've been like quite busy over the last couple of years yeah. and didn't have much time to spend caring yes. or thinking about my own style. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that sounds so bizarre. But no, like, no, no, no. I didn't like – my, my mum's in retail yes. and she has um, a, a fashion and, um, and furniture antique yes. store. And so she'd bring things home that didn't get sold yes. and I would – I wear them because like – 
they're new and whatever. And I, I didn't love a lot of them. Like I didn't feel that myself in them, but I just wear them because I literally didn't have time to put my own stuff together. Yeah. And this year my, my timetable has changed a lot and I've been able to spend more time actually deciding and like yes. being really Making conscious active in what decisions. I'm yeah. wearing and how I'm presenting myself. And it's provided me with so much like confidence or something. Yeah. And there is so much power in fashion and, and how you present yourself physically, which kind of enters the non-physical 100%, 100%. <laughs> and I, it's so layered in that sense, I think, as well, because fashion also falls into the, the category of self-care for me. And I feel mm. like that it's something that actually gets missed out when people think about doing things for themselves and how when you put on, it sounds so cliche, but when you put on an outfit that you feel 100% yourself in, mm. the way you carry yourself throughout the day completely changes. Oh, like not so completely. True. Yeah, I, yeah so I true. look for that feeling every single yeah, day. <laughs> seriously. And it's like, it's finding the line between what feels innately you and what you feel like should be you, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I always, someone always said, you know, dress, dress for the role that you, for the life that you wish you had kind of mm. thing. And I, I never knew how I, I thought about that until another person said to me, I obviously take a lot of inspiration from what people say, but <laughs> I dressing innately for how you feel, what you put on and go, this is 100% me, completely changes the game mm. for yourself because you avoid then the micro trends that come through. You avoid, you know, buying things and entering into the fast fashion realm simply because someone is telling you you should be wearing this, that or the mm. other. You reclaim your own sense of style, I think. Yeah. I it's, love that. It's been amazing having Grace come to live with me because oh, I yeah. get access to her wardrobe. And also on what you were saying as well, like having such a crazy full-on schedule, Some something I become aware about only because my best friend brought it up to me and I'd, I, I can't believe it wasn't a perspective I thought of before, but she works a full-time job. She was like to me, Brooke, I have Saturdays to dress how I want to look. Mm. She said, she's like, I have, I've got Sundays for lounging around, being hungover, wearing my active wear, wearing my comfies. Mm-hmm. Saturday's my one day of the week. And I'd never thought of that because I'm in the, I've got the luxury of being able to wear what I yeah. want from the minute I wake up to the minute mm. I go to bed. And she was just like, so being able to, purchase and feel as good as I can on that one day is really important to me. Absolutely. Because I mean, when you think about a lot of jobs, you have a uniform. So a lot of people only have, yeah, that one night they go out. I was never one of those people that was like, you know, I've got to plan what I'm wearing on Saturday. I I would always just figure it out on the day because I worked in a restaurant. I got to wear what I want every night. Yeah. I forget that it's such an exciting thing to be able to plan ahead what you're wearing. Oh, yeah. And Mm. I feel like when you every day have to wear something you might not necessarily want to wear the days that you have off like there's no shame in oh no just wearing sweats. if you want to wear sweats do it but also it's so fun to just go out and be running errands and look like an absolute baddie walking down oh, on the wall yeah. seriously <laughs> That's what we want when to When you decide to walk through the middle instead of to the left or the right. Oh, yeah, like yes. it's the, you yes. know, it's a good day. Pouring with rain. You're not yeah. even in the shelter. No, you want everybody to see. Look at me. Literally. Yeah. I know. And I feel like that's something within Adelaide that we're kind of only just recently stepping into as well. Yeah. I feel like there's been so much more, again, creativity and like the validation of fashion within South Australia. And I feel like there are so much up and coming fashion influences not influences like influences yeah yeah um, yes. without an R. yeah <laughs> yeah in terms of designers in terms of new businesses kind of people that are rewriting the space for Adelaide and kind of mm. reclaiming it not to say that it's never been there but really shining a light on what already has been and it's I feel like a really exciting time to be within Adelaide 
even within the hospitality sector. But yeah, fashion yeah, is definitely yes. taking a forefront. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I remember when um I went on my like gap year Europe trip and I came home and Adelaide's like it's a it's in the south of Australia. If anyone, yeah, isn't sure where it is. It's, <laughs> it's a very chill. Listening from everywhere. <laughs> um, it's like a very um. It doesn't like our capital's quite condensed. I would say like Adelaide's really the only place that you think about when you think of South Australia. Anyway, yeah, I came home from Europe and was you know used to seeing all these fashion icons on the streets of Europe and came home and was in the Uber on my way home from the airport I think we went through the city and I was just looking at what everyone was wearing and I was like oh Oh, no no, why are we dress cool here it's such an easy thing to do I feel like it was the stigma mm, of the city but it's changing I think I felt that uh, particularly when I was in that awkward stage you know when you're like a tween oh my god yeah and you're so hyper alert of like how you look and how people are perceiving you um and if you look like you're trying too hard or if you look like you're not trying enough and it's very very confusing but um I've always found found Adelaide quite difficult because you always feel like you're going to bump into someone and so you feel a lot less inclined to take a risk like I will sometimes if I'm going away I like pack just my wild clothes (laughs) oh yeah and I get comfortable in them over in a different city and then I'm like oh I love wearing these pants this is me now they seem so natural to me and then I bring the zebra pants back here and I'm like whoa why didn't I wear these before like I feel so comfortable in them by now and no one cares no I don't I guess I don't really think like that as much now but like Definitely when I was a bit younger, particularly. Oh, 100% growing up when you're kind of working out where you fit in within that scope. And I read this article the other day about how even five five years ago, 10 years ago now, I suppose, God, it's getting on, but 20 years ago, our parents only had one publication of a magazine come out a month and that's where you would gain all your inspiration from, right? Yeah. You'd Like mum was like, we'd go through the pages, we'd clip things out, we'd look at what's coming up. That was our trend prediction. We got that once a month. Now we wake up, we pick up our phones and we are getting hundreds and hundreds of micro trends hitting us like mm. per second. Like the reason we're seeing such duplications of people's styles and um, the way they present themselves is because it's hitting us so quickly mm. and we feel like we've got to jump on it really quickly because we've got access at access to it so quickly but I suppose like when we were going through our teens era we were still even you know we definitely had social media but I remember going through bloody Dolly magazine and girlfriend and <gasps> yes, all that. The sealed section. The sealed oh, section. My yeah. God, God, my favorite bit. I yeah. got it open straight away. There were a couple of that pretty rogue. Yeah, like, if you look back <laughs> on them now, you'd probably be like, how did they like? Yeah, do you remember you the were saying you were 15? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that scarred me the most, I think we talked about it a lot, was the watch and the tampon story. Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about. So yeah. I can't remember that. They were at oh the beach God, and they went to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you know, you know. Wow, no. the fact that everyone knows about that because that's oh, the one that much. scarred me. Yeah, it was yeah. truly insane. Change I'd love life. to do it if we if we were in a movie. There'd be like little like pan of all of us reading that for the first time oh, in our yeah. different houses. I love your the mind. Pure- <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, with those like micro trends that come out, do yeah. you feel as a content creator, do you kind of like screen them first? Do you think, do I want to do this? Like, what's your thought process when these things come out and you're like, hmm, this is new. Yeah, definitely. And it's the thing with micro trends is obviously their impacts on fast fashion as well. And like the way that we consume within my, I suppose, my own kind of style. If I see a bright green, flashy, polka dotted red sparkly top come out at the time I'm obsessed with, I really look at for myself, I go, are there three to five things in my wardrobe that will go with that 
bright green, flashy, sparkly mm. top. And that's how I kind of bring it down to myself, whether I'm going to get wear enough that I can make this a stable piece. Yeah, mm. worth it and worth it for kind of the planet and our environment and stuff. And it's kind of difficult because a lot of it's – I'm in this transitional phase for myself I think at the moment is where I'm really trying to be consumable for everyone and mm. it's really difficult walking the line between being 100% sustainable, ethical in every sense and then also being affordable and within reach. And also being yourself yes, when you're trying exactly. to cater to yeah. so many different people. Yeah, absolutely, especially because like I've got such a wide age demographic as well and although some websites that I may work with may not be 100% ethical, I also get um, you know, the single mums that are working to get by that actually message me that go, you know, I was really hoping you might be able to get in and do like a Kmart haul at some stage. I can't afford X, Y, Z. Can you make this more consumable for me and affordable mm. for me because I love your style? So in that same sense, it's it's difficult as well because I'll do a Kmart haul and then I'll get the backlash for not being sustainable or forward thinking kind mm. of, I suppose, as well. So oh, you never, you, yeah, such you'll, a hard you'll never be able to, to like, please everyone but in terms of like micro trends I I try to stay as cap I capsule wardrobe based as I can I suppose mm. I I'm not the person you'd go for for the outfit that you want to wear on a Saturday night out like I I try to stick to more building a foundation of your wardrobe because I find that to be most a sustainable and achievable for most people and versatile I love yeah. that yeah I love yeah I love how um conscious that is from yeah. your end are there any trends that recently that you've hated and that, that you've I've hated not oh, wanted to take part in the cro- like Drew Crocs for nah, example I mean I'm into okay, the Drew Crocs <laughs> no no I am too anything that he makes up. not not that I'm not um into it but I personally haven't been able to tackle the low-rise trend yeah. I've got little tiny legs it's yes, not gonna I happen speak on this I yes. love I love that Bella Hadid looks so fucking oh, hot doing daddy. it I want to be that I went to yeah. an op shop today tried them tried on it. I I just can't. No, I want to nah. be able but you to. you did them for your Paris. <laughs> I need to oh, give some backstory. Okay. Grace, Grace dressed up as a really sexy Paris Hilton. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, when is Paris ever not sexy? Paris is yeah, always No, you're queen. right. No, no, but you but just nailed it. You. And it was thank this low-rise jeans with flares at the bottom and you can't say you didn't look fantastic. I did feel pretty suave yeah and that's the thing is that because you were viewing it through that lens I was like you were you were Paris Hilton you were in that you were viewing it through that lens and I feel like a lot of fashion and what we consume for fashion is the lens in which we view pieces through as well you know like you I I immediately look at low-rise things and go that's not for me I've got like my legs are way too blah blah I'm gonna look this that and the other it means I'm not gonna be able to eat breathe bloody sleep dream yeah (laughs) no I totally feel you but if we viewed it through a different lens would that change the perceptions that we have and the expectations we have mm. on ourselves like are we always just meant to view it through the Paris Hilton lens like yeah, yeah that's such we? a good point because <laughs> that realistically those pants they were from Savers yeah great steel and they looked really good with the outfit which was like a dyspnea which they love oh, them stunning dyspnea top and oh it was bye. super revealing and I felt really good because I was pretending to be Paris someone, someone else. else but also yeah. they I oh, you know what I'm gonna start wearing them yeah, you're in those those jeans. I'm gonna start doing it. Whatever, fine. You me. Thanks, guys. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. This is one that I'm particularly interested in because I actually deleted my Instagram last night. <gasps> okay, <laughs> I didn't know. I thought you just like yes. Whoa. And so we've got Chi here, our beautiful <laughs> friend who covers 
footage and um, makes is a content creator. Very incredible, cool. creative queen. Yeah, incredible. Say, she's been involved in a number of of projects that we've all been doing. But anyway, uh, Chi was talking to us a couple of nights ago about how she deleted her social media, yes. and I'd been thinking of doing. Yeah, for a, actually, I hadn't really, but I'd been when I was younger. I was so much more in tune with how mm-hmm. social media was making me feel, yeah. And now it just feels like such a given part of my life mm-hmm. that I don't even consider, consider. how it's making no. me feel. And I realized that I like hate it sometimes. Like when I'm scrolling through my feed and you're getting all of these, as you were saying, yeah. billions of messages. Some of them being these like fashion messages. Some of them being interiors. And then suddenly it's an update on the Ukraine war. And yeah. then suddenly it's a terrible terrifyingly sad story about someone's mental health condition or their eating disorder and you're getting all this and your brain's trying to file it yeah yeah and then it's pasta and and you've got (laughs) so many emotions going on so many messages going to different parts of your brain so many feelings coming out of it and all the while you're just sitting on the toilet scrolling seriously yeah it's It's 7am you've gone through that in the first 10 minutes of being awake yeah i am feeling so proud of you for being vulnerable right now I have not heard of I have not heard this and I'm really supportive of what you're doing I think I'm one step behind you because I am just taking social media for granted but I do have to say I think if you don't post it's not as anxiety driven we have this conversation as well which we could definitely have this conversation with you because Grace and I both get like posting anxiety at yes. times. I think a lot of people do. Mm. And it's this constant like, what am I posting for? Am I posting for myself? Am I posting for other people? Mm-hmm. Why do I think people need to see this selfie of me? Mm-hmm. Like, is it for me? Is it for them? Is it for likes? Is it for Validation. being re- it relevant, for, yeah. Va- yeah. validated? And then you get yourself in a tizzy and then you're like, who even am I? <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? You come yeah. back to the full circle. Mm-hmm. I know. That's definitely... Do you, would you say that when you're going to post something, even though it's something you've been meaning to do, do you ever just feel like do I record I need to post things this? all the time? Yeah. I record things all the time that I don't post, like multiple times a day. And I suppose in the realm that I'm in, can be slightly different because where where we're at right now for social media is we've taken a ginormous step away from following the curated influencer and following the creator that's always got her shit together and always Mm. has her makeup done, has a filter on X, Y, Z. Being a creator online involves a certain level of um, rawness and organic content that you provide people that makes them feel like they've got a, a lens into your life, I suppose. Um, and it, for me, is drawing the line between jumping on there and being completely you get to see every inch of my life and providing you what I feel comfortable and safe providing, I suppose. In a professional sense as well. Exactly. Like that is your job. Oh, my goodness. I have never – I have become so aware recently of how watched I am in the professional sense I had not like this that that sounds a bit ridiculous but the amount of people that I've been having conversations with within like um, PR agencies publicists communication kind of realms the amount of people that are coming through that are presenting as just you and me and I'll click on their profiles and they'll be the communications manager at Louis Vuitton so I need to make sure that everything that I am putting out there is a direct reflection of what I would pretty well 
put on my resume, I mm. suppose. What would, yeah. what would I be comfortable with the head communications manager at Louis Vuitton seeing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing because, like, I, I want to be open, organic and raw as much as I can but I still need to be professional because it is, it's my job. Like, it's yeah. I do the wrong things. I was only actually just talking about this with my agent this morning is do you believe that any publicity is good publicity? And they said absolutely not. Yeah. They said whoever wrote that was definitely a journalist. But um, yeah. um, they gave me multiple examples of people that they manage that did one naughty thing 12 months ago and they have not got one single job since. And these wow. are people with 850,000 followers. These are people that you guys would know, you guys yeah. would follow. They have not gone one gig since like not one that's and wild I guess accountability is a good thing but yeah, you have to think about how watched you are now. but coming mm. back coming full circle back to what you were saying before in terms of like stopping the scroll I suppose like I had to place some pretty strict kind of things on myself like I can't scroll when I get up in the morning the minute I mm. wake up I do not pick up my phone and scroll I'll check my notifications make sure everyone's all right I'm the mum of the group so that's often not okay <laughs> um, I but love that. no no scrolling like no scrolling because I don't want that to be the first thing that my brain registers there's multiple reasons for that even scientifically but I there's so there's so much my my stepdad actually taught me this when I was a lot younger as well he would pull me up and be like, you need to stop and and look for butterflies. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was mm-hmm. just like, when you've got your phone, when you've got your eyes buried in your phone, you miss the butterflies. And there'd be so many times where I, I'll be scrolling and be like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like how long have I just been like this for? And I'll just be like butterflies, like stop and look at the butterflies. And I'll look up and there's so many little things that you, it sounds so philosophical, but so many things that you miss oh, yeah. by shoving your face in your phone. Mm, yeah, really, sure. like it, you, you get really off-putting. But I suppose for me I can um, separate it because – I I actually do, I don't spend a lot of my phone uh, time on my phone scrolling at all like at all for multiple reasons some of it being I don't like to be too heavily influenced by what other creators are doing as well and feeling the pressure mm. to do what they're doing at every single time as well but also just because like the value the value of human interaction is so much more important and when when you regain control of your stopping the scroll it, you'll feel a lot better coming back back online and I also did the biggest cull of my social media, like I reckon 16 months ago now. The people you're yeah, following. It feels yes. so oh good. Oh, my God, <laughs> so good. Like every single person that I follow now, I scroll through and I'm like stunning. Crab pasta recipes. I've got yeah. interiors from 1960s. I've got, you know, oh, creators from Sweden, you know. Like it's everything I want to consume. It makes me feel good. But then even more so I need to stop the scroll because it's everything I mm. love, I suppose. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if you were not an influencer, you would have uh, come to the point where you're not spending so much time on your phone? Whether I would have come to that realisation myself without being in this world, maybe, maybe not. But no, I don't, I don't think so. I think I would still be heavily influenced by my phone if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean – I think that I did what you did recently, which is um, change what the content is that I'm consuming. I like getting news on my Instagram. Mm. So I like following news pages that give me um, a quite neutral reporting on what's happening um, and some like meme news accounts as well, which I'm into. And I only, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I only follow people that I genuinely, like I love a, 
appreciating beautiful people online yeah yep. but people who don't just make me feel shit about myself no, absolutely and that's mm. completely okay like there is even just like the mute button like there were so many people that I needed to follow for the professional realm but their photos like on days where I fe- was feeling not so great about myself I'd be like oh my god like mm-hmm. oh that one hurts a little bit like the mute button for a couple of days can sometimes be so valuable for yourself and something again that I learned when I was in uni was that how incredibly sophisticated our algorithms have gotten within social media that it puts us in such a filter bubble that if Mm. you do not actively outsource new information and new perspectives, you simply won't get it. You're in an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, Mm. exactly. And like this came up heavily um, during COVID. The discussion came up about how these, you know, radicals are – getting this strong perspective and they're so heavily anti-vax, very mm, full vax, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> and my lecturer at the time came up with the fact that it's all that they are consuming. When they click onto Instagram, when they click onto Facebook, all they're seeing is these, like, you know, terrible stories about X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. When you are getting those things filtered to you so frequently, that's all you know. Mm. If you're not actively outsourcing your information, mm. you're going to become a product of what you're being fed. Well, so. that and it's just a, another example of the way that we are really just products of our environment. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes full circle. That is honestly yeah. one of my favourite, favourite <laughs> quotes and it's something that I hold so strongly to, to myself that you are such a direct product of your environment you are who you you surround yourself with and what you surround yourself with absolutely and when you have power over like influencing what that environment is you've got to step into that power and and do it consciously and that's something that I always say on my stories as well is that like I'm that's something I'm so hyper aware of is that like I'm with 50,000 people the minute that they wake up and the minute that they go to bed you know and like that there is like a power in that and there's a responsibility in that and if someone sees me doing something that's going to impact them negative and they've opened that at 6 30 in the morning like that's not the person or the creator that I want to be I want to be someone that positively impacts their day while doing doing it as authentically as I can so Mm. yeah would you say that when you are having a bad day as every single person does yes do you kind of stay away from social media do you not want to put stuff out there or what do you only put stuff out when it's positive what's your like mindset when it comes to producing so it's such like a it's such a tricky balance I suppose because you want to show up organically and authentically to create that connection and be like I I'm having a shit day as well I'm capable of having a shit day because for some reason there is this like perspective and scope that like every single day is great within this realm but it's also not wanting to show up and negatively influence someone to feel that anxiety as well. So if I do show up on one of those down days, it'll always be with tips and suggestions about how I'm planning on getting out of that mm. rut and how I'm getting to the other side of that. I want to add value and that is something that I hound into people that come to me asking what would you do if you were to start again and be a creator all over again, no followers, what would you do? Add value as physically much as you can. Like mm. every step step of the way, people don't just follow people anymore for just a pretty face. They'll actually do the opposite. Mm-hmm. You need to be adding value at every every chance you get. Mm. Yeah, I feel that like that's how influencing or Instagram in general has changed that the people who just use Instagram for personal reasons only post the good things whereas influencers are now – 
at the point where they have so much of an audience that they have to post everything, which includes yeah. the bad things as well, which yeah. is a lot of pressure, I guess. And it's also like um, I can imagine kind of stressful for you and other people in your position to have to be an expert in things that you're mm. not an expert yeah. in. Oh, yeah. And to like do that whilst like being – humble in that you don't know everything yeah but also trying to add that value and also trying to share your insights and um, whilst also not having imposter syndrome which oh my I'm gosh sure every like- every avenue <laughs> yeah absolutely and look there's obviously been some really really terrible shocking times that have been going on you know always but within the last five years I feel like it's just been one thing after the other of struggles that groups of minority are going through and you know big things that are happening in the world and there's this um, expectation that like you just said that I'm an expert and can spread the message and spread the news perfectly I suppose and that like if I'm not showing up and using my platform for good then what's the point of what I'm doing and it's really difficult because you know I'm I'm not professional and I'm not completely an expert in every single thing that's going on with Ukraine but like my heart wants to as much as I physically can do what I can for that person with the platform that I that I've got but I'm not an expert and if I do post something wrong my god do they let me know about it I suppose and it's I suppose the way that I've navigated that for myself is being able to say I'm not an expert I am exactly like you I'm doing my best to learn and to grow and to grow my knowledge but I'm going to give the space for people that have so much more knowledge than me and are within these minorities or experiencing this hardship to have the voice and have the platform because Mm. this is not my time to shine Yeah, yeah, very eloquently put. Because it's that's that sort of topic has come up a lot recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's giving Imagine. You know when all the celebrities released Imagine, that song they all did a cover of Imagine during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was like, oh, so guys, this is actually not. Yeah, it's not about you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) not not your time. Do you guys remember when Haiti had the? Mm -hmm. the Oh my gosh! And there was that. Song? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. IOT. Yes. <laughs> that was not good. Oh my we god. That was that. <laughs> no. That's staying right there. <laughs> I was really keen to ask you about. I guess on the same like. Well, this is a question that stems from my recent deletion of Instagram yes. because I always find it really difficult to sometimes separate life and leisure and not just create content out of it yes and I am I am not on the same level as you no 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 on Instagram so I don't even know where I get that pressure from like no one is asking me to post photos of my coffee no but why why do I feel like I need to like record it because you've got you've got an you've you've got an expectation of yourself you've you've got that you've you're seeing yourself through that lens yeah I suppose but when you're in that moment then Mm -hmm. and you're having this coffee let's just give a little example here we're sitting there having coffee together I wouldn't get this the same as you would so I'm interested to hear your perspective you're at a coffee or at a wine where does your brain go when it's like sorry this is so specific no 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 my what my wine looks really nice do I do I take a photo of it and make this a moment that is almost work for me yeah or do I just stay in the moment as a friend or a friend yeah acquaintance (sighs) And I suppose where that varies is 
my friends are also creators. So we've got five phones at the table doing exactly the same thing, I (laughs) suppose. For me, it's about if you value the creative side of that and curating moments that you can look back on, then absolutely go your hardest. It It's how you want to feel. You know, there are friends that I hang out with that you would have no idea I have, hang out with them because I don't I don't even bring my phone. My phone stays in the car. But there are also friends that we really enjoy romanticising moments like that and I feel like oh, there's been... I love this topic. Yeah, I feel like there's been so much more of a lens shone on romanticising your life and how much value... It's almost like a double-edged sword, I suppose, if that's the phrase, that we feel the need to romanticise our lives to feel like we are adequate enough and are consuming enough because that's what we're seeing all online, everyone romanticising it. But ever since doing it, I feel I feel so grateful, I suppose. I feel mm. there's a sense of like gratitude and when I can look back on my camera roll and see those small individual moments of that wine, they're the little moments I actually value. Like I have to go through my camera all the bloody time. Like you don't even <laughs> want to know how many photos I've got on my phone. But I love curating that and I love putting it out there for people and I suppose for me as well, I'm so passionate about South Australia. I'm so passionate about our hospitality sector. And so for me, I had a girl message me once, bless our soul, she was just like, wherever you go, we now have permission to go. I was like, oh, <laughs> my God, that is so bloody nice. This is a vibe check. Honestly, I was like, okay, so, like, if people are actually taking note of Adelaide Hospitality, if I can bring, you know, more light shone on, you know, our CBT, CBD or our regional areas mm-hmm. and venues and stuff, like, why would I not do mm. that, I suppose? Mm-hmm. And people, even though you you think your stories are aren't important there are gonna always be people that are looking at your stories like I know I always look at your stories like I always look at your stories and I suppose I'm getting nervous no now I know now you always feel more nervous knowing that there are people watching Mm. but you've got to set yourself free of that kind of thing as well because also being able to wake up the next morning and see a gorgeously curated feed like my friend and I were laughing when we were away we'd be we'd be sat on the tram heading back to the hotel and we'd both look over at each other and both just watching our stories back, like just yeah. re-watching our stories. Yes, when you, you have, have a great time. It's like oh, a little yeah. mini movie of your little, life. Exactly. And realistically, we are lucky in a way that we get to create these little snippets of our lives little and moments. they look exactly how we got to see them. Mm. Yeah, Back in the day, obviously we all love film, but, you know, it's so cool that we can actually capture things Snapshots. that happened. Yeah, that's very true. And when you describe it like that, I think I'm actually realising that those moments that I've wanted to... Yeah to capture the the feeling that made me stop was actually more shame that I'm yeah. like that I'm oh it's the girl with the phone, the phone and out. she's yeah she's taking photos of her cappuccino it's not because like I I felt like a real pressure more that I wanted to and I just felt like it wasn't as that acceptable you, yeah absolutely 100% mm. that people were going to digest that in a way of going oh she you know who does she think she is posting a photo of her yeah. coffee like, why would I care like no one is looking at yeah. it like that mm. if you're online if you're on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you are you're there to consume content you know like you yeah. do you ever look at anyone's stories and go why she just posted a photo of her watch like exactly. no you don't you know yeah. like yeah that's mm. such a good point actually yeah. And no one's going to psychoanalyze what you post as much as you are. So. No, oh, my God. And that's They're the literally thing. asking for it. Yes, <laughs> it's seriously. And someone said to me, like, that's when they mentioned this, that people view your image for less than half a second. Mm. You worrying about that upside down leaf 100 metres away from you in the background of your photo <laughs> is not that mm. important. Like, people yeah. actually don't hyper 
analyze you as much as you it's do. It's the exactly vibe you that you give off. Yes, like literally, exactly. that's what we're consuming the vibe. Yes, it's and the whole vibe. And when I think of you on Instagram, I have a vibe in my head. I don't have yeah, a leaf. <laughs> it's almost no, exactly. You've got like people send off auras from what mm. they communicate online, and it's it all adds to the narrative of your experience and the way that you view the world. I suppose mm. so. Post your wine cup. So I want to know exactly what you're drinking. What would you say, Brooke? That the the publics anyone who views your content what would you say is the biggest misconception about you i don't know i feel i feel as if i have communicated i've gotten to a stage where i'm so comfortable com- communicating myself authentically online that everyone who is there is there because they value what I put out there and what I put out there is usually 100% me and so I feel like they're not that I know of a lot of misconceptions about me because I'm like 100% 100% the truth and that's something that my my friends have always said to me is that what you see is what you get what I am mm. online is exactly what you're going to see in person and we can testify to that I suppose a, a mis- misconception one of them would be that the very very lucky and blessed lifestyle that I get to live through having the profession that I do that I take it for granted and it's something that I I never do and I'm constantly pulling myself up on and constantly pulling my friends up on is just like let's be present in this moment and be grateful and be aware of what we've got and that this is, you know, not something that just gets to happen every day and like really recenter ourselves and not get wrapped up in like the, the glitz and glam of a lot of what this industry can be and bring it back to like a humanised moment and go, shit, like if you told me five years ago that I'd be – getting fucking flown to Sydney doing XYZ. I'm bloody small, a South Australian gal that that would ever be happening for me. Like I value every single thing that I get, every message that I get. I I definitely do not take it for granted Mm. at all. Another question that we had, which I'm really interested to hear about because this, if I was in your position ever, this is something I would think about all the time. Beautiful. Um, Do you ever feel like people are using you for your social media platform? No because I don't allow them to. Um, I am so, so strict with the energy that I allow into my life. As I said, like one of my biggest things is you are a product of your environment and like I am ruthless. Like I am brutal with who I allow into my space and the energy I allow to bring in because like an energy attracts like I, I, refu- I refuse. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm really good at reading people and reading people's intentions. It doesn't obviously happen all that often. And a, a, like a lot of people probably don't even realise that that's what they're doing, mm. I suppose, as well. The answer is no, because I don't allow them to. How, how does that play out like practically? Say yeah. like you're chatting with someone and you're not getting the best vibes. Energy. and you, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, where do you go from there? I just remove myself from the situation. Like you, I feel like a, a sense of control that I regained, especially in being a, wo- a woman, is that like you feel this, um, you feel as if you owe the person you're, you're speaking to, your time and your energy. Mm. And you always owe your kindness and your your experience in terms of allowing the conversation to go to fruition, but you do not need to entertain it in a way if it's not serving you within the same energy you're meant to, I suppose. And like, so when conversations would come up that I, you know, necessarily wouldn't be getting the best energy from, you are allowed to dismiss yourself from that conversation. Mm -hmm. Like give yourself, own your energy and own the power that you have to remove yourself from situations that do not make, do not fill your cup, I suppose. And that was my focus of last year, earlier today, we were talking about, I have a word for the year. 
And my word for this year is focus. And when things feel like they're a bit over my head and a bit chaotic, I come back to my word of the year. Last year, I promised myself that I would no longer put myself in situations that made me feel uncomfortable. I don't, where this came from is I don't really drink much. Like I'll probably have one wine here and there every now and then. And I felt as if I had to put myself in environments that would make me uncomfortable to validate other people's experience with drinking specifically. Mm, um, that is such an interesting yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I suppose even with like Australian culture, I suppose, like drinking is like a, a foundation and a form of where we bond, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. And, and celebration And celebration, well. yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, people were unintentionally projecting their, I suppose, where a lot of people's drinking at the time for me in my friendship group at the time and who I was drinking with were drinking because they didn't feel comfortable being sober and mm-hmm. they didn't feel like they could have the same conversations or interact in the same way when they were sober. And I'd, I'd feel the need to drink for them so that they would feel comfortable drinking because the minute I said I wasn't, they would get a bit defensive. Yes. They, yeah. yeah. And it was like a, like me not drinking is not a reflection of you, I suppose. But the minute that I became strong with that and was just like, it's just not something that I need to do. I'm actually worse company when I'm drunk. I've got headaches. I don't feel good. So that was why I set that rule for myself. And that's where that rule actually came in quite handy throughout, not even not in drinking, but every example of life is that do not put yourself in situations you feel uncomfortable in because you feel like you have to be there. I feel like that's so powerful hearing from you as well, a person who literally has to make relationships to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to further and just kind of, you know, encourage your career. You have to make relationships. And the fact of the matter is if you're not comfortable in those relationships, exactly. at the end of the day, it's not worth it at all. No, It's about how you feel and you're not going to be able to produce the best things you can if you're in a situation where you don't feel you're being respected and you're not comfortable anyway. Yeah, so exactly. That's such a great piece of advice for literally anybody to, to yeah, hear. Yeah, 100%. Especially in, in this mm. space, I feel like there's a lot of bad yeah. stories of people who uh, have a big platform on social media and they're actually in a, a massive cunt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, full circle, <laughs> literally 100%. No, yeah. It's like the old-fashioned peer pressure that our parents always told oh, us yeah. like, not to get involved in and here we are realising how is, right they were. Yeah, and that is like not at all to diminish. Like I know so many of my friends really struggle with social anxiety and being actually able to show up authentically to those conversations because I get nervous like I'm very privileged that like I'm I'm a confident person I can hold myself in conversation with just about anyone I suppose so like I completely validate and understand why alcohol does provide that kind of safety blanket and that warm hug I suppose in social situations so that is not Mm. at all trying to invalidate that experience Mm -hmm. either No, 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 no. yeah have you ever had any romantic relationship issues because you're an influencer no, I I actually haven't. I've kept my relationship quite distant from online. That's kind of like a, a sacred bubble of mine, I suppose. And like my relationship with George is absolutely incredible and we're both two of the most social people. Like he is so charismatic and so outgoing, but I just haven't felt the need to bring him online as much as people I suppose have expected me to because our time together is time where I switch off. Like mm-hmm. it's, there's no expectations there, I suppose. And it's been nice to kind of keep it distant. The only, t- the only time, I was thinking about this in the car, the only time I've ever experienced anything 
George and I are both very social people, like I said, but we're both like super flirty in the way that we speak. Like we're super charismatic. Like we're really open about that and we're really comfortable in each other, like communicating exactly how we feel. We're so secure in our relationship, like whatever goes kind of thing. And I remember one night George was out at the Mosley and I had about six girls message me videos of him talking to a girl. God forbid. Yeah, literally, (laughs) God forbid. And he was just at the bar talking to this chick. Like he actually, like from the videos, I knew this girl, like she's awesome chick, nothing at all involved in it. But that's the only time where it's actually popped up where I had all these girls go, just letting you know this is happening, sent me videos of them together and I was like, I know her, like blah, 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 that's his second cousin X, Y, Z. Like, <laughs> but that's the only time it's actually ever popped up. That's yeah, all. because more people know about your yeah. relationship, I guess. They think that they need to intervene. And I think, I think that was a bit of like a realisation for him as well. Like well, it was definitely a bloody realisation for me, but I, def- I, I feel like I don't understand the scope of – I bring myself back to it all the time that – Every single person that follows me is an individual human being, like individual humans. But there's Mm. five of us Mm. in the room right now. You're all humans with ideas and experiences and backgrounds and I sometimes I forget that and so that night when I had six girls message me videos of him I was like holy shit the people that are on here and following me are real humans that can go to the Mosley. Like, you know. (laughs) But also like, you know, you're all a person – we're all people yeah, with our know, own business. Like, like, yeah. You yes. know, with your own experiences and the way that you view the world as well. And, like, I feel like that's another piece of advice that I would provide people wanting to get into this space. Like, I've kind of got, like, five things that I would recommend to people. I can't ever remember them off the top of my head, but when I talk <laughs> about it, that's exactly what it is, is that understand that the people, followers, that's not the right word for that either. Like, the same way influencer isn't the right word, followers isn't either. Because you, are, every single follower that comes through is a human with experiences and beliefs and thoughts. So treat it that way as well and value that you're impacting an actual real human being's life, mm. which is, again, a lot of responsibility and it it is and isn't that deep. But know that you're talking to a person and people buy and people engage with people. They don't. They don't engage with a profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So humanise yourself as much as you can. Yeah. Without, of course, letting too much of Yeah, yourself. exactly. The balance. Yeah, so that, yeah. yeah. The balance. But yeah, that's such an interesting point about the term followers because when you think of that, you literally think of a bunch of sheep. Just, just like I just think of a things. cult. Yeah, yeah. just n- numbers, yeah. which is so like not it. Like I remember... I remember sitting down and I was watching the footy on the TV and they were like, there's 26,000 people here. And I went, holy shit, do you mean that's 26,000 <gasps> yeah, people yeah. in a stadium? Like a stadium, if you were to get me to go in the, like, in the middle of that oval and, and show my coffee, yeah, literally <laughs> show my coffee or like, you know, you've got to think. Yeah, literally. literally. Give yeah, it to yeah, her. Yes. Black, black, black. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Like I is is a small number of followers in the realm of what I'm talking about, but when you think about it in the realm of each individual person, each person is quality and not quantity, and that's when yeah, like I would you know I have no idea about the number, you know, like the number is becoming less and less important on many many scopes, especially within the business side of it, like. It used to be there was a direct correlation between the number of followers to the amount that you get paid and it's just not at all mm. like that mm. at all anymore. Businesses have so many ways of like measuring um, value. value exactly. Mm. So 
it's nothing about followers anymore. Can you like explain what it is like now? Like Instagram yeah. for dummies. I need you to explain it to me like Instagram for dummies. Oh, I'm into as, it. As this a, is my favorite conversation. I would love to go into this into the space. But so basically, where value the way that brands read value is so different now. So a couple of points. One, brands have platforms and access to software that registers how many times you've liked, commented, mentioned, mentioned in your DMs, their brand on your page platform, DMs, wherever. So like if I want to work with say Beckenbridge, Beckenbridge, we can run my name through a generator and it'll see how many times I've organically engaged with their brand. Creators don't want to just work with people for the highest number of followers anymore. They would rather work with someone with 5,000 followers that is an active, avid follower of their brand because that is where, like I said before, our whole social space has taken a huge ginormous step away from curated pretty profiles Mm -hmm. and a huge step in the direction towards like authenticity and organic support like we can see straight through it these days you know exactly what is genuine support for a brand and what is support because they have to do that and brands so onto that now as well and I feel like I've only become aware of it even in the last bloody couple of days is that a shift that brands are doing to kind of benefit this is they've started to really instill affiliate links and commission-based earnings because I think they were learning that so many platforms were they had the numbers, but they didn't have the value and the engagement. Mm-hmm. To, to summarise that, brands are looking for organic, authentic support no matter how many followers you have. Like I know there's a girl that I know that is an incredible skincare creator and she gets paid the same amount as – she's got maybe four or 5,000 followers. She gets paid the same amount as someone with 130,000 followers mm. because the same amount of people buy from her than they buy from that $130,000 creator. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah 100%. So Again, um, quality over quantity. Quality over quantity, 100% in every avenue of your life. Yes. <laughs> There's been a lot of discussion. We had a, a chat with Gabby Gosling yes. earlier this week um, and she'll be in the episode after you. But So that's coming. But we did touch on this topic topic about um, Instagram as a platform for creators as a sustainable way to make money. Yes. Obviously a lot of your work Mm -hmm. is around brand alignment and that's, I'm assuming, please tell me if I'm wrong, um, a lot of the way you make your money and make your job sustainable. Yep. Do you like that model? Do you think Instagram needs to up their game to monetize the, the content of creators? And how do you feel about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this isn't something that I'm like hugely educated on at this point because for some reason it's only something that's beginning to roll out within the US. Yeah. It's not being rolled out internationally, but I know that Instagram and even Pinterest and TikTok are really trying to monetize their platforms. I know that, um, for example, there's like subscription-based stories that Instagram are rolling out through the US. Pinterest is um, paying creators to post and create content on Pinterest. Do you so create like, on print- Pinterest? I try to. It's something because it's um, not, I suppose there's um, not as much value from it right now that I know of. That I know that there is a lot of value in posting to Pinterest because the rollover onto Instagram is apparently huge Mm -hmm. if you have pins that do go off. Um, But I know within the US there's huge money to be made posting on Pinterest and Mm. I'm excited to see where that kind of comes from. I I actually just got a notification once I posted my reel tonight that they're rolling out – Real play monetization. 
So the more real real views you get, the more money you get paid. I don't know how this works. Like I don't actually know the back end because it said how to qualify, first of all, live in the USA. Mm. Check okay. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is also the same with like Amazon and um, like I know people are making huge money off Amazon storefronts. No. Um, all, like, really? Oh, my God, huge money. They've got one of the highest. You'll probably see this on TikTok a lot with um, American creators is that they've got a storefront where they pin – everything that they love and see and share and they they have their storefront in their bio and if you buy through that storefront they get one of the highest commission bases through any platform I've seen I don't like don't quote me on it but it's definitely upwards of 20% and that's like huge for that kind of space so creators are making like a good chunk of their income off of affiliate links Mm -hmm. these days hate Amazon but love that yeah seriously getting a direct link to like you see something and Mm. I know Instagram shop is still cool but yeah. Sometimes really fucks me off trying really to Really hard. It. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. you can just have, yeah, an affiliate link that is. That's that cool. Is, yeah. Amazon, you bitch. But then yeah. affiliate links also can be really difficult as well because I know that I try to avoid that impulse buy. And, like, that's something that when I focused on marketing at uni is that, like, what marketers and I suppose influencers try to leverage off of is our instinct to impulse buy and that's you avoid you you skip all five levels of the consumer buying um, decision making process and go straight to the Mm. purchase whereas usually we've it usually when we make bigger pricier purchases we go through these five levels um of like decision making decision processes my lecturer is going to hate me for this I'm not going to get it right but basically it's the steps that we take before we invest in something so it's outsourcing different prices looking at competitors like valuing how much money we've got in the bank can we afford this the whole backing behind it is that we're trying to capitalize on people's need to impulse buy you see me post something you go holy shit if I don't get it right now it's going to sell out I need it right now just in case kind of thing I can return it if I don't want it xyz which is not sustainable and it's also not good for for shoppers it's it's a hit of serotonin it feels good it does it feels damn good it honestly does but full Wow, God, that was a very big sidestep. Back to affiliate links. I also want to meet your lecturer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's yeah, lots of content coming so from good. this lecturer. Yeah, I, love I loved my degree. That's also so refreshing to hear. Can I yeah. just say? Yeah. <laughs> there were de- like, I, yeah, I actually rave about my degree. I, um, there was a topic that I learnt um, that I did called innovative and creative thinking and I th- I'm thinking of actually going back and doing my major in it because I've never learnt more about, rewiring our brains and learning how to learn again because I feel like Mm. we were so pigeonholed when we were in school this is the exact way you need to learn this is the way you need to do it and that we forgot that you can learn to learn and Mm. I feel like that's been so valuable for me so random side note Mm -hmm. anyway coming back to affiliate links (laughs) affiliate links can also be not as good because I don't know about you guys, how often do you actually click a link on someone's story and buy directly from that? No, I never. Only when it's Flex Mummy. And literally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I was only, only just going to speak about her. My trusted influencers only. That's Seriously. The only time. Yep. And that's the thing. I was just about to talk about her because she obviously has like a scri- subscription-based close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a so pioneer close. in that as well. Oh, my God, so huge. To, to subscribing. Yeah. Me too. I know. So was She's I. She's replied to me like four times in my really? life. And I am actually tearing up thinking about it right now oh She's my god a fucking queen yeah so she is incredible in that space as well and that's kind of where instagram is going subscription-based stories so 
um, they're creators that you want more content for, you pay for it, I suppose. Mm. Which is fair enough. We just expect so much free content. That's the we, thing. Like we forget that, you know, you don't go and watch a movie for free, you know, like there are certain things you mm. don't expect for free. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. Do you think if the Instagram model, if, if you had to pay to be on Instagram and that was funneled through by the people that you follow, that that would be an ideal model? Because obviously like Netflix, you pay to subscribe yeah. to Netflix and then, you know, Netflix divvies up that money to the, the films or se- series that are on there. Mm. Do you think that that's something that would be sustainable or do you think that there that is would, an ideal? Or well, you're already the line between like someone who gets paid and someone who pays. So you pay for Instagram as a subscription model. It's like a base. Like there's only we one cost. We pay for Instagram. We sell our data. Yes, that's <gasps> oh so true. Oh, my God, yes. That is so <laughs> okay, true. Okay, so and then based on your – so, okay, you have to pay to be on Instagram and then you get to follow whoever you want for free and then whoever you follow gets, you know, money based mm-hmm. on that subscription. I'm into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a pool – the subscription money becomes a pool and then it gets allocated to people – based on how many followers they have. I love when you make what I say sound Great. so much better because that's what I'm trying to like articulate and you just make it sound like just good. Thank you. No, that's your brain. No, it's not. No, but I'm into would that. You, what do you think about, you know, is there an actual model that you think Instagram would suit better than what it is right now as ter- like in terms of being a creator? Definitely, yes. But again, that goes that goes into that conversation of accessibility again as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I don't know the correct word for it, but pretty well should should certain things be only accessible and reachable to the people that can afford it? I suppose mm-hmm. there's that dis- discussion as well. So, like again, it's so multifaceted. Things shouldn't come for free, absolutely not. But I think there should be the option, the option to be able to more heavily monetize yourself if you choose to. But mm-hmm. would then the money that you would have to get through that monetization would have to outweigh the money that you because you would obviously not get as many people following you mm-hmm. or subscribing, you know, like it's, it's a, hard. It's, it's an tricky. interesting one because you could have like, for example, Sunroom, which we spoke about previously as a social media platform, you can create free content and then you can also create paid content. Okay. So you could potentially have um, your paid content as things that you're being sponsored to do. And also that have higher value to the people who yeah. are willing to pay for for them i don't know i just say like- i would do the opposite i would have my oh, well no yes and no my god my brain is working over time right now <laughs> um i would have the organic stuff as the yeah. stuff you have to pay for yeah yeah, yeah. That's, but then yeah. you don't uh, you don't you don't build connection or relationships through paid things you mm. build it through organic things so yeah. it's uh yeah it's yeah, so hard. interesting hearing you say this as someone who like actively creates content and your time you spend so much of your time doing yeah. that and um you want it to be accessible for everybody because i think a lot of creatives now they are starting to be of the mindset that time is money and mm-hmm. you are spending a lot of time creating something that may look super natural and chilled but at the same mm. time like you're you're living a life you need to make money yeah and people can still appreciate you know this is a really cool person but it's costing you it's costing you time to do that yeah 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 and that's it's it comes into the discussion as well that I've only become aware since signing with my agency how how much I was undervaluing myself within um that whole 
the whole monetization world as well. And I, I, I wasn't valuing myself because I was uneducated because I didn't know the way this world works and because it is still so hush-hush. Creators don't talk about how much they make, what they make, what they charge for the X, Y, Z usage rights, amplification rights. Like I had no idea about this. Like I did a, I ran a campaign with quite a big company. Like I got the email and I was like, this is spam. Like you've said this to the wrong guy. And I like drafted up a response of like a quote that I was going to give back to them. This was basically two videos, one photo, six months at amplification rights and six months. I couldn't work with any competitors basically for six months. What, what does amplification? Amplification means so um, I post a video on Instagram. They put $10,000 behind that video and that is used as an ad. Wow, so okay, instead yeah. of them creating the content and putting money behind their own ads, they're putting money behind my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, like I've got a New Balance TikTok that I posted. They paid me for that and paid me for amplification rights. I've, I w- have been receiving that Yes, one. you've seen that uh, one. I, yes. I liked it as well. Thank you so very much. Like, like no. big companies like New Balance. No. <laughs> I was like, it's my friend. I know her. <laughs> and she looks so good. I so, just bought New Balances and you really like them. Yes. Why Feel free to not? sponsor Ooh. New Balance. Yeah, Ooh. fucking oath. Yes. So I had no idea about that. I had, it, Also, I had no idea they could just put money behind my video and boost that. Mm. Um, and then I, like I asked um, the girls and I was just like, how much would they put behind this? And they were like, oh, anywhere between like 10 to 15 grand. I was like, mm. you said what to me? Yeah. My, my video, $10,000. Did what you quote them, did they did they say that was a reasonable or did you underquote so, yourself? Or Because I've been there before. Yeah, so I wrote out – I. I quoted it and I was like, mm, something doesn't feel right. And I had a bit of a mentor at the time, like really quite high up within this whole realm. And I was like, I'm going to run it past her, mm-hmm. sent it off to her. I was like, what would you quote me for this? She quoted me five times mm. what I was going to mm-hmm. charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For like five times. Yeah. And this value I thought was also, I was like, oh, it's a big company. I can bump it up a little bit because they're going to do this, that and the other. Holy shit. Yeah. Like I had, You have no idea what money oh my these God. guys are working with. I've had a similar experience in like the yeah. corporate speaking yes. world. Yes. Like I, when like a, from for the last few years, yes. I would be speaking on behalf of Taboo. Yes. I'd be there with my co-founder, Eloise. Yeah. I would be doing it um, like separately. Whatever it was, it was around the like, honestly, I'm just going to put numbers out. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But like 250 bucks for say a school or something. Yeah. yeah. And then we got signed by this um, speaking agency. Yeah. And they're quoting like five to ten grand, grand. Yeah. for the same talk Jock. pretty yep. much. I know. When you used to talk for free. Oh, no, I know. Years for free. But you created content years for free. Mm. Oh, my God. That's how this space works. And and then it's so hard to get out of the mindset that you should be doing this as favours for people. Yeah. I did so many... Like I would say thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of favours. Oh my god, for people. yeah, and yeah. you would have too. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I'm just thinking of that favour that you gave, and then you asked for something really small in return, and they said no. Or they were gonna like for oh. you. I'm just, it's literally no, criminal. but it, it really happens all the time. Yeah, because they because no one talks about it, because no one talks about the values behind these things. They know that they can get away with 
using and abusing, you know? Mm. So like know your worth and know your value and back yourself on that because like if you actually show that you know what the hell you're talking about, mm. they won't second guess you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that, I mean, would you give that advice to people who are still starting up and they're still new? Yeah, well? absolutely. 100%. Create the organic work for the brands before they ask you to work for them kind of thing. And I think that's where things have started to grow more exponentially for me is when I started purchasing from the brands I wanted to to work with creating the content and then providing those organic insights to the brand going look here see this is what I can do and how my brand aligns with you and that's how they come to trust you and pay you from the get-go I mm-hmm. suppose because you've already put in the legwork and show your organic interaction. Mm-hmm. So these insights that you are able to produce from yeah. being a creative. Are you doing this all yourself or is this something that, you know, now that you're at the point where you are able to, this is sustainable for you, Yes. do you need more help with this or is this like something that people can do independently? Is that what your agency does? Yes. Yeah, so I was so headstrong on remaining self-managed. I was mm-hmm. just like, this is something, you know, like I'm qualified to do this. I've actually got a degree in this. I can do it kind of thing. The turning point for me, mum sat down and asked me, why do you want to sign? What do you want to get out of the next six months of your life? And it was, I felt like I had capped off at my network and my reachability and that I wanted to elevate myself to be working with brands that don't work necessarily with freelancers because their contracts are too fluffy, I suppose. Like this campaign that I got that I was just talking about before that I got quoted five times more for, they ended up coming back and quoting like they only knocked that five times down by a couple of grand Mm -hmm. and I got the contract sent through and this was like 76 pages long and I was like I understand most of this but I absolutely do not understand all of this and also you don't want to be spending your time oh my god (laughs) I don't have 76 pages worth of time to be reading that (laughs) and that was kind of a turning point with me where I was just like these are the caliber of brands that I want to be working with for myself if I can't back myself this video could be in the middle of Times Square you know and like I don't want to be the dickhead that didn't read the contract right so yeah that was the turning point for me but it was the network and the support you know like they've got finance teams like Mm -hmm. I was I've had invoices not paid not Nine months later, you know, that I've been chasing it up for. But like little old me isn't going to make as much noise as a 10-person mm. finance department. So that was a turning point for me. Another like piece of advice for creators is like no matter how small you are, go and spend the couple hundred bucks to get your own little contract written up for yourself that you get brands to sign because it not only – presents you more professionally and validates you more to the client but it backs you so if anything does go wrong you've got a contract to say you know you've got one reshoot you know I'm not going to reshoot this 17 times for you that I've had in the past there was only one last question that I really wanted to ask you which was in a dystopian universe where Instagram TikTok every social media platform just Mm -hmm. disappeared Mm -hmm. the billionaires said me we're not making it up money yeah Yeah. Yeah. see we don't want your data we don't want data mining no (laughs) if the world decided to rid itself of social media Mm -hmm. firstly what would you do Mm -hmm. secondly what do you think that would look like oh my gosh okay first of all what would I do I would go into I think good old-fashioned personal styling mm-hmm. I actually have been looking into that for myself there are two kind of like long-term goals of mine and that's kind of one of them I would love to kind of be able to harbor a platform where 
I can have a whole collection of in-house stylists that people can come to for advice, you know, rewriting their new wardrobe, starting from scratch, helping them identify their personal style, no matter kind of what spectrum of fashion they kind of want to be on. So I would, I think I would be a personal stylist. Mm, cool. Love. Yeah. Maybe a celebrity personal stylist. Yes. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. Fucking no. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and would what would, so what do I think it would look like? I don't know because I haven't had any experience of it, you know. Like, Do you think it would I'm be good or bad? Good only only because – only for the reference of looking at how our parents grew up, I suppose. But that's my my only knowledge of that because I've mm. never even thought of it as a as a idea that could even happen. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Only, only because I know of how our parents grew up. I romanticise that era a lot. Oh, my God, yeah. The photos yeah. that come from that phase and just knowing that they didn't have touchscreen phones and oh, they yeah. used to like call each other up on their home phones and ask the parents to talk to their like girlfriend oh my gosh yeah and you've got the long stretch cord that yeah. you try to stretch into the next room I know I follow something is so glamorous about it all oh my god <laughs> seriously it is like it's honestly the romanticized like romantic Romanticization. That word, yes. Is that yes. A word? I thought up. I made yeah, that no, up. No, because yeah. that's what I was about to say. Um, I, I follow this page on Instagram, um, historical moments or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, history photographs. Yeah, yeah that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And they posted one the other day of um, a summer in Paris mm. and it was just like a 10-photo slideshow and it, the caption was something along the lines of like, there were no phones in sight and people were living organically in the moment mm. to remember it by. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like the, as far as the eye can see, there's not a single screen yeah. anywhere. I was like, oh, wow. That like, is wild. Wow. I know. But, again, like I've been vlogging a lot of like the trips that I've been going away on and stuff. And like we were talking about before with like taking snapshot photos of memories and whatnot, going back and looking at these videos that I have that are moments I would have forgotten about, mm. you know, if I hadn't journaled about them or if I haven't, hadn't, you know, actually taken a photo, I would have forgot about those small tiny things, mm. I suppose. Like there's mm. so many little things from like, my trip around Europe. Like, I mean, you, you remember the things that you need to remember, I guess, but you know, it would have been nice remembering what coffee shop that I went to on the yeah. seventh day in Prague, you know, yeah. like yeah. which sounds ridiculous, but no, it's I, nice to have those small memories as yeah. well. I'm just thinking about if we if we didn't have like for example, there's there's all these applications where you can save this content. You you put content out and then you can look back on it later. If we didn't have that, I actually just do not think that we would stop receiving information. Like we would stop being able to have our own opinions because we receive so much information. If we didn't have social media, we'd kind of go back to a standstill of which is just receiving certain things from the news and like not being able to look mm. into your own perspective. I don't know. I'm just, no, I know what you're talking I, about. I'm like, proper like rabbit holing again. That, that filter bubble that we get, we're so used to receiving that like we we don't – outsource yeah we'd have mm. to start reading again people would start reading the yeah. papers but then again we'd be completely reliant on the traditional yeah, media which is you know only funneling certain information yeah i think if we didn't have social media or like tiktok i hear about all these random things happening at tiktok and then people coming you know into into the world being like yeah i saw this on tiktok and whilst it's annoying it's also like we i I'd ha i have no fucking idea what i would consume if mm. I didn't have social well, like, media. Well, like, why do you, you know, that's another indication of how I feel like our generation is so much more well-versed and open-minded because we are receiving yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah, and dialogue like, and, and yeah. all the nuanced conversation. Yeah. We wouldn't get that otherwise. You're right. I I'm fully came in and I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely delete it all. But I, 
No, since yeah. I asked that question, I've been freaking out. Yeah. In the corner. Oh, like, what? No, no, no. I actually love that because I think it comes back to the fact that we are literally, us as individuals are the only ones that can determine whether our experience of social media is beneficial or not. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You have to. Yeah, you have you to delete like, Instagram. Yeah, but that's because it was the right thing for me to do at the time. Yeah. And I will be in a – because I'm not like – I'm a bit stressed media, right yeah. now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will be things. in a better headset mindset yeah. soon and I can be in a You're better place reactivate. to consume yeah. it. You're needing to digest your inner world right now and – there shouldn't be the external pressure to have to digest everyone else's inner world as well. Exactly. But and you are in – people forget that you're in control of that. You can absolutely cater you that to can. how you would like to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Without being – like you – that's the thing. I feel like another thing we need to st- relieve the pressure of ourselves of is like being strict on the things that we say we are. For example, like I – for ages was like, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegetarian. And like putting that pressure and expectation on myself that like when I'd go out and I'd be like, oh, I would really love some kingfish. Like I would then feel the pressure on myself. Whereas like I can, instead of having to label ourselves all the time as these things and then having to put the pressure on ourselves to do that and be Mm. that, that we need to understand that we're we're human beings like capable of being so multifaceted and that our experience day to day can be so different. And if mm. I want kingfish, I can have kingfish, you know, and mm. I'm not a bad person, you yeah. know, like. Yeah. yeah. And if you, you're in the good head, headset to scroll and, and consume information about the world that we're living in and experience the perspectives of lots of different people, then we can do that and yeah. then delete Instagram the next day. Yeah. And post and then something grab the next again. day. Yeah, seriously. And then post a cute outfit the next day. Yeah. We can all have the kingfish. Yeah. Yes. You can have your kingfish and eat it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the title the of title, this yeah. episode. <laughs> Have you English needed? Mm. Well, on that note, we should probably wind down for this evening. I feel like yes. I should talk forever. This has, like forever. Yay. How Do, long has this been, Elliot? Hours. Uh, an hour and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we are going to unfortunately say goodbye and cut this conversation. Good luck, producer Elliot, for cutting. Yeah, enjoy any this. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let us know. You know, if you have any questions in particular, we would love to see Brooke again, hint, hint. Oh, my God, yes. absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. Um, have really enjoyed having you here tonight and, and thank Same you for everything story. that you've said. It, you've been very well spoken and, and – Well, I hope I've made some you. sense. I, I can't even remember anything so I've much. said. I've learned. I want you to do and an Instagram so for Dummies episode because yeah, I, I – Yeah, you learn. You know so much. No, but you <laughs> – you do. No, you, you really do. do. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, no. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back. We're saying goodbye. <laughs> but you know, what? I do love the culture of um, us all just lifting each other up. Hundred percent. Yeah. We've had a great what, chat. What else can we do? Um, We're all just humans on this planet. So be nice <laughs> to each other. Honestly, I feel like that's a big point of social media as well. People forget. Like everyone's really just doing their best. Yeah. So please yeah. just remember that. That the things you see, a lot of work goes into them. A lot, even yeah. if it's just Izzy's coffee that you see, and there's like a little bit. <laughs> She's next thought to it. about it. Trust I mean, me. Even it. It. <laughs> so just be nice and and thank you so much for yeah being here and for listening. No. And if you, we have got Brooke's social media in the bio, yes. so please go say hello to her. Thank you for having and me. Is it Brooke? It's Brooke Upton. Brooke Upton. Brooke Upton. It is. Upton. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Illy. See you later. Bye. Thank you, Brooke. Oh, 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 oh,